up all of you Ugnots and Jawas out there and welcome back to a new episode of Mando Talk, your home for Ahsoka discussion and we've got part 5 titled Shadow Warrior directed and written by Dave Filoni and yet again another 10 out of 10 episode. There is a lot to dive into. There's a lot to dissect and digest and discuss. And that's what we're going to do on this episode of Mando Talk. So this is spoiler heavy. If you have not seen the episode, you definitely want to see the episode before you hear my thoughts on it. But yeah, let's discuss it. By the way, before we get into it, Make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you are on. If you're on podcast platforms, be sure to do me the favor and leave me a five-star review. And if you're on YouTube, like it, like the video I mean, and comment on the video. What were your thoughts, your spoiler thoughts, the things you loved, maybe the things that didn't work for you down in the comments I really want to discuss this episode with you guys. There's a lot to unpack, and hopefully I'll unpack a lot of it as I talk about the things. But obviously, your opinion and your point of view is just as, if not more so, valuable than mine. So I want to hear from you. Let me know down in the comments your thoughts, and we'll definitely continue the discussion there down in the comments on YouTube. So we're going to actually do this a little bit different. In the past weeks, what are we now? This is the fifth episode, so we've done, I guess, three podcast episodes because they released one and two. Then we had a episode three podcast, then we had an episode four. So yeah, this is our fourth one. So, so far, all three of those previous podcast episodes, I literally did a linear breakdown. But I want to do it differently this week. I want to just talk about the really heavy-hitting things Because I really feel like there's a lot to just kind of dive into there. So I've got, let's see if I just scroll through my notes here for a second, six different categories that I want to run through and discuss. The first thing is going to be Huang. Second thing, Carson Teva. Third thing, Jason Sindula. Fourth thing, we're really going to dive into the world between worlds and this whole Anakin Skywalker stuff that we got. Fifth thing, we're going to talk about Ahsoka the White. Yeah, Ahsoka the White made an appearance in this episode. And then sixth thing, we're going to talk about Hera, Jason, Chopper, and where they go next in this season and in this story. So yeah, we're going to do it a little bit differently, kind of like a six-point rundown there. But there's going to be a lot to discuss here. So let's kick this off with Huang. Like I said, Huang, this droid continues to be the emotional X factor of this series in my opinion. In previous episodes, Huang delivers perfectly timed comedic relief to give the series a more lighthearted Star Wars tone. But in this episode, you can hear and feel the emotion he has when he is holding Sabine's helmet and he says something along the lines of, I told those two to stick together. And you can tell he really, really hurts. The delivery from Huang there phenomenal. Later in the episode, the delivery when he talks about how Jason's able to connect to the Force through his father, essentially, Kanan Jarrus, like that that power has passed on to his son. I loved his delivery of that. Just the continual, the continual explanations, the comedic, but here in this episode, more so the serious and impactful dialogue that Huang delivers. 
continually being a top-tier droid. I love Huang, and I keep loving this droid more and more each and every single week. So that is definitely, definitely exciting. Okay, second thing that I want to discuss, Carson Teva. I loved his use in this episode as he wasn't really just a cameo for cameo's sake. Like, I know you could probably have that opinion of, oh, they're just putting this dude in to connect to the Mandalorian. But yeah, we do need to connect to the Mandalorian because all of these shows are clearly leading to one massive story, and that, of course, is the Dave Filoni movie. So it's important, yes, that we do get Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett cameos in this thing, but I like the stuff that we that we got from Carson Teva, including him, in my opinion. Carson Teva was kind of our comedic relief character in this episode. I loved his reaction to Huang saying that Jason had special abilities because of his father, Kanan Jarrus. Like, he was just kind of like, uh, okay, well... I'm just going to go do what Hera kind of told me to do, essentially. Like, he just kind of brushes it off to the side. Just the delivery of it was hilarious and perfect. But also, he was really funny, and especially his reaction when he tells the New Republic about the Purgle and about how Hera and Ahsoka are trying to communicate with these Purgle, how they're going to try to catch a ride with these Purgle. And the facial expressions from Carson Teva is just spectacular. Also, this is very important to note. He delivered spectacular dialogue in the mentioning of Senator Leia Organa. That was so needed in this series. And I'm just going to talk about that for a second. In this current time in the timeline, we are post-Return of the Jedi it would make absolutely zero sense for Luke, Han, or Leia to not be involved with this on some level. Now, I understand here with us having it on the TV screen, we got to have actors and actresses portraying these characters. And I know they don't want to keep relying on deep fake and that technology, so I'm glad they addressed the elephant in the room in saying that Leia is doing something. She's helping the cause by, she's kind of like delaying the New Republic from getting out there and bringing Hera and Carson Teva back home because they're doing something that they weren't granted permission to do. So we get this dialogue from Carson Teva that, that Leia Organa, Senator Organa, can only like hold on for, for so much long. Like She can only delay the process so much longer for them. So just that one small piece of dialogue was spectacular. It's much needed because if we were in a comic book or a novel, those characters would be involved because we wouldn't have all of the issues of, oh, how do we recast? How do we get new or deep fake material on new body actors and stuff like that? Like we're not having to worry about budgeting and, and that craziness and, and if fans are going to hate recasting or not hate recasting. Like they don't, they have to worry about that stuff with television, but they wouldn't have to worry about it in novel or comic book form. So it's clear as day that if we were in one of those platforms in that media on paper Luke Han and Leia would be present they would they would probably even be more so in the fight but I and I understand the logistics of why we can't have that here so addressing the 
three characters through dialogue. At least so far we've gotten Leia. I wouldn't be surprised if we get more. Addressing them in that way is very important to me. Now, I know we've gotten Luke Skywalker himself. You know, in the Book of Boba Fett, it shows that he's trying to establish his own little Jedi temple. So I kind of get what he's potentially up to. But I, I just like that a lot. And I'm probably rambling on that. And maybe that's not a big deal to you, but it is a big deal to me. Again, I get that they don't really need to be here logistically. But I, I like the, the use of dialogue to, to show that they are there. They're doing their own thing just kind of preoccupied at the moment. And maybe they are helping the cause, like Leia is here, uh, just in small, subtle ways. All right, next big thing to discuss, Jason Sindula. Uh, arguably, one of the best things of this episode for sure. Let's dive into this. This kid, in my opinion, is being set up to be something truly special. And this is kind of leading into my last little point that I'm going to be discussing on this podcast episode, but I don't think he has much else to do in this season of Ahsoka, but I just want to say look out for future seasons and future stories with Jason. Not only was he able to sense Ahsoka lightsaber fighting through the Force, but Filoni and Kiner were very, and, and that's Kevin Kiner, by the way. He's the composer of this series. Filoni and Kiner were very intentional with having the Force theme play in the background while he is making this strong connection through the Force. That Force theme, you know, the bum, 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 that one, like the, the most notable noise in all of Star Wars is playing in the background while he's making this connection. They don't play that song for just any character. They don't play that that song for just any cat. They play it for a special cat. Like, they play it for Anakin. They play it for Luke. Um, maybe they've played it for, for Obi-Wan at some point. I can't recall. Maybe in the uh, Kenobi series at some point. They play it for Rey. Like, they don't just use that thing to use that thing. Jason might not have a lot to do in this season of Ahsoka, but look out for future seasons and maybe even the Filoni movie. Like he may be a massive Jedi at play. We're coming back to him at some point, whether that be this season or not, but, but look out. And I also want to point out too, it's also worth noting here that eventually Hera hears the lightsabers after her son kind of pushes her to keep trying to listen, mom, it's there. We can hear the lightsabers clashing which I interpret as more weight to Filoni's lesson earlier in this season that everyone has the ability to connect to the Force. We know Hera's not Force-sensitive, and she's not going to have any, any possibility of becoming connected to the Force or a Jedi or anything like that in future stories or anything like that. That's not what this scene is trying to get at. I don't want you to think, oh, because Hera was able to hear those lightsabers with Jason, that means Hera's potentially going to be a Jedi. Don't think that. It is just Filoni trying to double down on this idea of everyone has the ability to connect through the Force. You just have to really, really focus. And in that moment, Hera did. And her son is helping her do that, which is really cool, I might add. I mean, now, as a father, I get that. Kids make you become better in, in so many different ways. And I know we're, you know, I... I, I I feel like recently, ever since I've become a dad, sometimes in this podcast, I get to like these these deep, impactful conversations. But it's so true, and it's so evident here. Jason is helping Hera in this moment. 
become a little bit better as far as just connecting and being more present. And I really, just really, really, really dug that. Anyway, Jason Sindula, look out for that dude. And I loved, and I've already talked on it, but the Kanan Jarrus line, of course, the main master Jedi from the Star Wars Rebels series, phenomenal stuff. All right, so we are now, what, 13-ish minutes into this recording, and now we're going to talk about what you're probably really, really itching to discuss, and that is the world between worlds, the Anakin Skywalker material, my interpretation, and how I believe it impacts this Ahsoka season story. So, let's dive in. Scene number one. Anakin reveals that since Ahsoka is able to recall her fight with Balin's skull, then she has a chance to live and return. With this opportunity, Anakin wants to finish Ahsoka's training as, quote, one is never too old to learn, Snips. The lesson Anakin is giving is a lesson called Live or Die. The two begin fighting each other as Anakin Skywalker and current timeline Ahsoka Tano. Now, I know there were a lot of theories. How is Anakin here in the world between worlds? Is it really the force ghost of Anakin? Here's what I believe. I believe this is truly occurring within the world between worlds, but I do not believe it's the legit Anakin Skywalker that's present here. I also do not believe that it's a force ghost of Anakin Skywalker. What I believe this is, is I believe Ahsoka has entered this in-between life or death state while she is sinking in the water on Setos, and during this state, she connects with the Force in this special way. So, so kind of try to maybe apply it to this idea of purgatory. Like she's, and I know it's not exactly like purgatory, but but see if, just try to kind of, be in that mindset a little bit because we know she's not clearly fully dead. Like it's not it. She's not in this little realm where, where she's having to do things to determine if she's going to like heaven or hell or anything like that. Like I'm not talking about like that kind of concept, but it's like this little in between state of, is she dead or is she alive kind of thing? That's how I interpreted this. And then it's not really the legit Anakin that's here in the flesh, but more so it's the Force speaking to her and showing Anakin Skywalker to her. At least that's what I'm thinking. All right, let's go to scene number two uh, regarding this World Between Worlds. And by the way, I wanted to mention that, this World Between Worlds thing. In Rebels, we get the world between worlds is like all of these different portals to different events within the timeline of Star Wars. And we don't really see that portion of it here in Ahsoka. And I don't want you to think that, oh, this must be a different spot. I don't think that's the case at all. I do believe this truly is the world between worlds. It's just that here in Ahsoka, Filoni decided not to tackle the whole oh, if you go over here and look in this portal, you can see Darth Maul kill Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, if you go over here and look into this portal, you can see Anakin Skywalker fall to the dark side. Oh, you go over here to this portal, you can see Rey uh, connecting with all of the Jedi and ending up killing the reincarnation of Palpatine and whatnot. You get what I'm saying. I don't think that... I don't think... Or, excuse me, I do think 
that all of that stuff is still there. It's just Filoni decided not to tackle that or approach that here in live action. So I do believe this is all still the same location. We're just seeing even more of the lore within the world between worlds in this live action portrayal of it. Okay, anyway, I wanted to make sure I got that disclaimer out there. Scene number two, Anakin does a classic lightsaber twirl from Revenge of the Sith from the prequels before Ahsoka gives a good kick in the face, which he follows that up by slicing the glass walkway they are on to have Ahsoka descend to the depths of the world between worlds, which sends her to this flashback state of mind by placing her back in the Clone Wars. This flashback is one of their first missions together. She then walks upon the aftermath of the war where she sees injured and dead clones everywhere. Anakin, which by the way, Anakin is in his Clone Wars series outfit armor, which was so cool. Anakin is talking to Rex, which we get Rex later uh, in this episode. So freak out session there. And then Anakin shares his point of view on the war, the pain of it, leading in it, how to survive it. And Ahsoka asks, what if she stops fighting? And Anakin says, then you will die, which in my opinion then connects back to the lesson the Force and Anakin are trying to teach here in this in-between life or death state that Ahsoka currently finds herself in. Anakin then turns to continue the battle, and Ahsoka sees Anakin flash into Darth Vader and back into Anakin. What a cool shot. Like, Filoni's cooking here. This is one of the greatest shots in all of Star Wars. Seeing Hayden Christensen in his Clone Wars armor flashing back and forth to Darth Vader and back into Anakin. Chills. Absolute chills. Weeping at this point. It was so, so cool. Alright, so here's my interpretation of this scene. I believe the Force is using this as an opportunity to test Ahsoka to face her demons of past trauma, including the Clone Wars, the fall of her master, and the legacy she has left behind because of her connection to Anakin. She has the decision to let this trauma kill her, and she can choose death, she can choose to stay there in the waters of Setos and drown, or she can choose to fight, survive, and ultimately live. Now, another thing that I want to make sure that I point out, it's important to note the dialogue of Ahsoka asking, as soon as she gets down there to the floor and she's in the Clone Wars flashback, she asks, why are we here? And Anakin says, you tell me. I believe that dialogue kind of sheds light and gives weight to kind of my interpretation here. As far as Ahsoka's in this just state of mind of the Force is testing her. Do you want to fight and do you want to live? Do you want to go back to Setos and keep grinding and keep going? Or do you want to quit fighting? Do you want to give in? And do you want to ultimately die? I think that's what's going on here in the world between worlds at this current moment. All right, moving on to scene number three. And this is the final one inside the world between worlds and with Anakin Skywalker. Ahsoka is now reliving the Siege of Mandalore, which means Captain Rex is there and in the action, which I'll pause there. Again, I know I've got some listeners that don't watch animation. I will just say this, and I usually don't say it. Like, obviously, I recommend you go back and watch animation, but you want 
to go back and watch the Siege of Mandalore. It's the final season of the Clone Wars. I believe it's like the last four, maybe three or four episodes of the final season of the Clone Wars. Watch that. Um, because I think it's going to connect a lot to just the Mandalorian, this Mandoverse, just this idea of what the state of Mandalore that we see within live action during this timeline. Like It's just a really solid Star Wars watch to begin with. And really to get a good understanding of what Ahsoka's been through, you want to see that. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. You can kind of see there, though, we see those Maldalorians, like Ahsoka's killing those. Obviously, we see Rex, because we know Rex was there during the Siege of Mandalore. You can kind of see in the background these clones with the Ahsoka paint on their helmets. So cool. This episode was and I know all of these episodes really so far have been this but this episode specifically is an absolute love letter to animation fans as an animated Star Wars fan you've got to love this thing right like if you love Clone Wars if you love Rebels I don't see how you can't like this episode if I'm being quite honest and I am though curious and I know I keep saying this but if you haven't seen those I want to know did you get lost at some point? Because I could very easily see you getting lost within this episode because there's so much going on, so much interpretation that that needs to be had potentially and so much discussion. And that's why that comment section on YouTube is there. Talk to me. Let's work through it. If you don't agree with my interpretation, let me know what your interpretation was. Let's have a positive conversation back and forth about it. And I'm sure you might find some light in my interpretation, and I'm sure I'll see some light in your interpretation. We can maybe kind of all come together and formulate this one big, awesome, cool interpretation. Anyway, yeah, where are we? Siege of Mandalore, Captain Rex. My bad. Siege of Mandalore, cool to be back there, obviously seeing Captain Rex in live action. Fantastic. This force vision of Anakin arrives and says he doesn't know this battle as he was never there. And here he shares that all his knowledge lives inside of Ahsoka because of her training. Ahsoka shares pushback to this because she knows what he becomes and how that impacts her legacy. Anakin, obviously not liking what he's hearing because he's like, is that what this is all about as far as him turning into Darth Vader? Anakin ignites his red lightsaber. Sith eyes are then activated, and he begins fighting Ahsoka and is easily handling the Clone Wars timeline version of Ahsoka because obviously she's younger. She's not as skilled. She's not as trained. She's not as in tune. But then suddenly she's kicked into, and what I put here in my notes, she was kicked into the home screen of the World Between Worlds. So back to the main spot that we entered the World Between Worlds at. Then here, Anakin goes, excuse me, I'm, I'm bumping way ahead of myself. Let me go back to, back to the notes. Okay, Anakin ignites his red lightsaber. Sith eyes are activated. He begins fighting Ahsoka, easily handles the Clone Wars Ahsoka, she gets kicked back into the World Between Worlds home screen where Ahsoka then disarms Anakin and declares that she chooses to live. Anakin goes back to himself with blue eyes, shares his approval of her training, and then he disappears. Ahsoka then returns to the current timeline on Setos in the water. So, again, 
my interpretation of this, and it kind of puts a, a period and explanation point on this entire process of why did she go into the world between worlds? Why is she seeing Anakin? Here's why. She perseveres through this test. She ultimately decides to keep fighting, which in turn leads to her still living. And if you'll notice, and I think it's something that I mentioned later in my notes here, she comes back as a bubbly Ahsoka Tano. She's happy. She's smiling. This moment that she goes into this world between worlds to see a vision or a version of Anakin Skywalker was the force testing her to make her become the best version of Ahsoka Tano possible for the story that we're about to then see in future weeks. Ahsoka Tano has to be like the Ahsoka Tano, and I hope you get what I'm saying there. Ahsoka's got to be her in order for this mission to be done, and the Force works in those mysterious ways. The Force knows that. The Force connects with Ahsoka as she falls into this water. She's in this in-between state. The Force tests her. It challenges her. Do you want to live? Do you want to die? If you're going to live, you got to fight. you got to persevere. you got to get through your past traumas. And that's what this entire scene, entire point of the story is for. It's not for some crazy, oh, let's go to a different part of the timeline. Let's save Anakin. Let's... Let's do all this crazy stuff. It's it's not any of that. It's not let's transport over to Peridia or where Thrawn or Ezra is. It's not any of that. There is a place for that in the World Between Worlds. That's what the Rebels iteration of the World Between Worlds was for. But here, Filoni is using this as an opportunity to show how the Force can test our Jedi, and specifically our Jedi being Ahsoka Tano in this case. That's my interpretation, and that wraps up my discussion of the World Between Worlds and Anakin Skywalker stuff, and I'll just say this. It was so great to see Hayden Christensen, like, all in on Anakin. I know he was back in Kenobi, but what did we get? Like, and and I think Hayden was in the Darth Vader suit a lot for Kenobi, but I'm talking, like, actually having Hayden's face on screen. I think in Kenobi, what we had that one little off in the distance shot where Kenobi looks out to Hayden. We had that. We also had the helmet going on to the burnt and crispy face of Hayden. And then we had the flashback scene of Ewan and Hayden fighting on Coruscant. So there was like three total moments. But I would probably argue that the screen time total, as far as Hayden being on screen... Might be a little more here in Ahsoka. And if it's not, that's fine. All I'm trying to say is Hayden was was great in this role. And Hayden's portrayal of going back and forth between Anakin, Darth Vader, the Sith eyes. And then even there at the end where like he puts his head down, you see the Sith eyes disappear, the blue eyes come back, and then he has that smile like that that uh, sky guy and Snips kind of smile and, and love for each other back at the forefront. It was a little kind of creepy and perfectly acted as far as how Hayden was able to go from absolute villain to great friend of Anakin being there for Ahsoka. Just a phenomenal job. Hayden as Anakin Skywalker, specifically the Revenge of the Sith, 
is just more and more so I have just more and more love for that portrayal and and specifically that movie and that story each and every single day that goes by it's just it's it's great so obviously seeing this was was phenomenal all right so that leads me to my fifth point of discussion the fifth heavy thing to discuss from this episode Ahsoka the White I love the decision to have Ahsoka wear the white robes as she has had her own version of a rebirth, if you will. She is now, and I've already mentioned it, she's bubbly, she's smiling, she's the Ahsoka that we know again. She uses the Force to hear the events of the night that Sabine was taken, which leads to her having the idea of connecting with the Purgle to travel to Peridia, which she successfully does, and then she's off to find Ezra. Her and Huang are in her ship. They're off to find Ezra on Peridia. Now, I have to mention this. Well, and of course, Ezra, Sabine, and Thrawn. Not just Ezra. We're after Sabine at this point for sure. But I have to mention this. Before she blasts off, Hera delivers a fantastic May the Force Be With You as Ahsoka promises to bring the crew home. And while I'm thinking about it, what makes this May the Force Be With You so powerful is the music. Kevin Kiner, and I think this is probably a mute point at this point, because if you're somebody that listens to all of the Star Wars podcasts, I'm looking at you, RFB, and really, I'm sure a lot of you listen to several Star Wars podcasts. I mean, I do too. Give me all the Star Wars. Um, You've probably heard a lot of talk of Kevin Kiner and his music, and how he needs to take over. Add me to the list. I feel like I've already mentioned that in my episode so far through the season, but this episode was even more stellar. The music during this moment of separation, of Ahsoka and Huang blasting off, and Hera, Jason, Chopper, Carson, and the rest of the New Republic kind of being still there in our current known galaxy the emotions were there, and it's all thanks to Kevin Kiner's score. And yeah, the May the Force Be With You line was great, and the promise from Ahsoka to bring everybody back home was great. It was just <clears throat> good Star Wars, good soup. Well, that leads me to the sixth and final heavy thing that I wanted to discuss, and that is, like I alluded to, Hera, Jason, and Chopper. Earlier in this episode, or excuse me, earlier in the episode, Hera had a conversation with Mon Mothma where she shares that the Senate is now discussing removing the general title from Hera, so I'm assuming that Hera is going to have to tend to that the rest of this season. Whether we see that or not is up in the air, but I could see them showing it, but I could also easily see them not showing this process, and we just learned that she either kept the title or lost it in the finale when the crew comes back home from Peridia. And I have to be honest, I think I would rather just, in the finale, come back to these three, Hera, Chopper, Jason, and just kind of get a little quick dialogue catch-up of what that process was like. I don't really feel the need to see Hera until the finale again. I mean, obviously, I'll take it. Hera is phenomenal. Jason is phenomenal. Chopper is phenomenal all of them are great so i'll take anything they give me but as far as the story goes we are what three episodes left now i think we need to give 
episodes six and seven full on focus with Ahsoka, Balin, Shin, Morgan, Ezra, Sabine, Thrawn. Like we really need to go all in on those characters with the next two episodes. Definitely kind of wrap up those characters in the finale and then come back home and catch up on where Hera, Jason, and Chopper are at, what they've been doing, what Mon Mothma uh, did as far as her role with Hera, either keeping the title of general or not keeping the title of general. That would be my personal preference, but I'll take whatever they give me. I'll take whatever they give me at this point. But yeah, that's the episode. Episode 5. What was the title again? Shadow Warrior, I think. I need to double check that. Yeah, Shadow Warrior, written and directed by Dave Filoni. The King, the GOAT. He's doing great. And I really hope, I really hope you're enjoying this Ahsoka show as much as I'm enjoying it. And I, I cannot believe I saw what I saw. Like, if I go back, I don't remember how old I was during the Clone Wars whenever that series was coming out. But if I was to go back in time and tell my younger self that we were going to see a live-action version of Hayden Christensen in the Clone Wars suit with a live-action version of Ahsoka, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> Not in the slightest. Are you kidding and the way that it looked was fantastic. I know there was like criticism of how Hayden looked in last week's episode as far as the um, edits on his face to make him look younger. I didn't get any sense of that in this episode at all. Hayden looked great. Hayden looked like episode three and episode two, at least in between those rather. In between episode two and episode three would be the, the Clone Wars series. And then episode three, obviously, Hayden Revenge of the Sith, like, he looked just like that. And I didn't see any hiccups with the way it looked at any point. Like, all of it just looked great. It felt great. It played so well. And while I'm thinking of it, too, it's so prequely, right? And I think that's why I love it so much. And I think maybe the people out there that aren't loving this series are just people that didn't enjoy the prequels. And I know that there's people out there that didn't enjoy the prequels. And, and I have a feeling the ones that aren't digging Ahsoka are ones that didn't dig the prequels. But but the prequel in me is being spoken to <laughs> in this show. And the prequel in me is being treated so well. Anyway, yeah, 10 out of 10. I love this episode. I cannot wait for, for episode 6. We're still on Thrawn Watch. I know. I guess if there was one criticism, it would be that I haven't seen my boy Grand Admiral Thrawn yet, but he's coming. He is coming. He is the only thing from trailers that we have not seen yet at this point. The only thing. And I guess another question would be is, are we officially done with Anakin? I think we are. I would say that we are. I would say that this episode satisfies my Hayden Christensen being incorporated into this story. It satisfies that hunger because he it, Anakin has served his purpose. Ahsoka's now all in on this, and we're off. We're off to bring Ezra and Sabine home, and I'm sure Thrawn will get in the mix somehow. All right, let me know what you thought of this episode down in the comments. Hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. Leave me a like. Leave me five stars. 
do all the things to help me out. I would really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you listening to a new episode of Mando Talk. And I'll catch you on the next one. Make sure in between now and then you follow me on Twitter or X, whatever they're calling it these days, at Mando Talk. And yeah, I'll catch you on the next one. And until then, as always, we have spoken.